0: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron Seven
1: locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent, and I'm Zach. This is episode 108, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Meridian. How is it called Meridian? It should be called like Brent's world is shattered. That's what the episode. (laughs) If it was in German, it would be called Brent's world gets shattered.
2: Brent's I don't know how they say world that in German. Gets shattered. Well, okay. um, well, we'll look and see what they actually call it here uh, <laughs> later on. Um, but Jackson uh, dies. <laughs> you know, well, oh, I'm going to let that. Oh, oh hold on until then. Oh, boy.
1: Hey, friends, we're an independent podcast. Uh, we don't like ads. I hate ads. And you uh, you can help keep the thing. You can help support us. That's the better way to say it, honestly, um, because we're just going to keep doing this the way we're doing it. But you can help support the, the little art project that we got going on. We got a little Patreon over yonder, patreon.com slash walking through uh, the Stargate. Patreon has like tiers that give you votes that let you do things to, like rewatch episodes, which we've had some of, which are a lot of fun. Zach will tell you more about that in a bit. If you're saying to yourself, wait a minute. That sounds suspiciously like paid content. And the answer is, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of. But we will be dropping those episodes later in our main feed. You're going to have a few coming up here at the end of season five as well, um, just because we're going to take a break. And But we'll put some stuff in our feed so that you don't have to take a break because uh, we're nice like that. Indeed. Um, yeah. And uh, you can find that podcast stuff, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify. Uh, while they're engaged with a little clicky, likey, hearty, thummy, yuppy happiness. Uh, if you're on Apple, if you leave a podcast review, we will do a dramatic recreation like we did last week, mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun to do. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, you, we're also on your run of the mill podcast. I did this the same. I did it last week too. Podcast aggregator. So you can just type in walking through the Stargate and you'll find us. Yeah. And. Um, Zach, if a person wants to um, tell me that trying to anticipate the German title is kind of not really... It's kind of jumping the gun. How might they get a hold of us to let us know that?
2: Well, Or if that my you sideways need more work. That Brent's predictions of the German titles might need to be another segment of the show. Oh,
1: gosh. No, no, no,
2: no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W A L K I N G T H R U D T. I cannot do it today. Wow. I'm just. W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Wow, I'm yeah, still just it. struggling. I don't know. I, there's Maybe there's something in 2021 that has just messed me up. I don't know. Yeah, it's called
1: 2020. <laughs> 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 it's okay.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, in there's any a, case. There's
1: this thing called recovery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well in any oh. case you can you all know the email address it's walking yes. through the stargate at gmail.com you can yep. spell that it's not that hard. It's you can also find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking mm-hmm. and share your thoughts there. you could also go to the Facebook page and Facebook group Thank you to all of you who have been hitting that like and follow button on mm-hmm. the, the the Facebook group uh, Facebook page uh, go ahead and join the Facebook group if you want and uh, participate in the conversations there as well. I tell you, Brent, there has been a lot of chatter on Facebook oh, uh, about this episode. Oh, and e- everybody is anticipating with bated breath <laughs> oh, no. what we're going to talk about, which is <laughs> no small amount of Oh, there was a lot. Stress on, on us. So, you know, we gotta bring in well, our A. You. Game. <laughs> There's no stress on me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh? I'm like, how can you talk oh. about this episode and not spoil anything? Oh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll right. get into it. Um, and of course, you can go to our website, WTTS.space. Space! space! Um, space. Um, and, and if you can't remember WTTS.space, you can also go to walkingthroughstargate.com and find the same thing. Yes. So you got both of those. Um, and, of course, we've got a Patreon that uh, Brent mentioned earlier. Uh, as a Patreon uh, supporter, you get instant access to our The Other Side of the Gate podcast with me mm-hmm. and David and our Stargate Second Chances podcast and we mm-hmm. watch re-watch old episodes. Uh, you get instant access to those uh, as soon as they drop. Uh, so you can get different uh, levels there for that. Yep. So mm-hmm. if that's something that uh, you want to participate, I invite you to go to patreon.com slash walking through Stargate and sign up. Mm-hmm. So with all of that, Brent, shall we dig into this episode? <laughs>
1: Let's get into it.
2: Okay. <laughs> yes. So this episode is directed by William Waring. Mm-hmm. And this is his uh only directing credit this season. In mm-hmm. fact, it's his first directing credit, not only as far as I can tell, of Stargate, but of like anything. This was the first really? time Really? Yeah. Uh now he is by trade a camera operator uh and <laughs> such. So he's Wait, the, what? Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy that like, operates this, the camera. This episode
1: oh my Wow, wow. They entrusted this one to a, a newbie? Yep. A cameraman? Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay, sorry, carry um, on. Carry so on.
2: he has, this is his first episode. Uh, he has one initial uh, episode in season six. He's got one in seven, okay. two in eight, three in nine, five in ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the course of SG-1 Atlantis and Universe, he will direct a total of 38 episodes. So, yes. he, you know, he's got he's got and of course he's been doing a lot of stuff he does a lot of camera work and such uh, outside this so um he's certainly within the world of Stargate uh, oh, even if he's uh, not directing
1: um I mean I guess it's a tiny bit spoilery to be all like 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 wow
2: but wow yeah um, Carrying on. Know, he, he does uh you know a great job with this episode I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has worked on It Chapter 2, and he's also done some work with Game of Thrones. Uh, As I mentioned before, he is primarily a camera operator, and he started with SG-1, as far as I can tell, in roughly 2001, so that would have been Season 4 or so, and he stuck with uh, the series all the way through to the end and into the other series as well. Mm -hmm. His earliest credit, according to IMDb, as far as I could tell, was as an editor for a Mm -hmm. short film named Debts. That came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what I know about debts is that it was directed by a guy named Stephen McCollum, uh, and it was an animated short film. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you got? I mean, uh, there were you know the various voice actors and such that I could have gone through, but there is no, there's no plot that I found on IMDb. There's no description of it. I don't know anything else about it, but this. Uh, I mean, I mean, it might, there, there, there may not be a plot. It could be um, my, my suspicion is that it's probably somebody's, um, you know, um, uh, master's level project or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, that yeah, Somebody yeah, yeah. was yeah. doing uh, yeah. and and he helped out in some capacity. So, yeah.
1: And they were like, you know, I got to come up with something. I got to come up with some idea in order to graduate. And they're like, I don't know. I've got nothing. Except yeah. for these student loans. Oh, wait a minute.
2: <laughs> debts. Debts. <laughs> hey, there you go. That could be exactly what it is. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe the debts are monsters. And they, they, you know, they're like bill collectors. They come knocking on your door and they try to eat you or something. And, and, and you got to fight them back and find out bones. some way to navigate <laughs> that. And who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If you I'm know what them. debts is about, let us know. Yeah. Email yeah, us to you the Stargate at gmail.com.
1: That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-A-T-H-T-H-T-H.
2: Dang it. It's G-H-T-H. It's the up. G-H-T-H-E. Yeah. T-H-R-O-U-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. If you can master
1: the G-H-T-H,
2: you're home free. Yep. 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 Uh, okay. <laughs> so the teleplay for this episode <laughs> is by Robert Cooper. mm mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, an episode like this you would expect to put in the hands of somebody like Robert Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he this is his fifth of five teleplay credits this season. He did Enemies, which I think is the first episode, Ascension, Forty Eight Hours, and Last Stand, and then of course Meridian. Mm-hmm. Several guest actors worth mentioning here. We've got Gary Jones is back. Of course, he's in a few scenes as Walter Harriman. We've got mm-hmm. Terrell Rothery as de- Janet Frazier. Carmen Argenziano returns as Jacob Carter and Selmac. We have Mel Harris as Oma De Sala. Mm-hmm. And while we have seen Oma De Sala before, this yep. is the first time we have seen Mel Harris in this role. Right. Yep. And okay. I had actually, like I produced my show notes before I watched the episode, and I had forgotten that uh, uh, Dave uh, Daniel has a, just a tiny little quip of a line. You look different. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like... Well, that's just because life is life. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a non—I'm essentially a noncorporeal being yes. who's taking on a form to make it a little more gentle for you. I can pick any shape I want. Right.
2: So, um, back in season three, when the, we had maternal instinct, we did see mm-hmm. Oma Desala show up, and that was actually played by Carla Boudreau uh, mm-hmm. in that episode. Uh, but here we have. Uh, Mel Harris if, playing Oma Sala. If
1: I remember right, that season three episode, like they were real heavy on the on the lighting and the gauziness. Like you could yeah. see her, but you couldn't really see her. All and you this saw episode, was her close
2: clear. face, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. just for a little bit near the end of the episode. Yep, that's right. Yep. So uh, Mel Harris is an American actress, writer, and director. She's best known for her portrayal of. Hope Stedman on the critically acclaimed and Emmy award-winning series 30-something, which came mm-hmm. out in 1987, mm-hmm. uh, and she received a Golden Globe nomination as Best Actress in a Drama Series for nice. this. Uh, she's mm-hmm. also starred in the NBC comedy Sa- Something So Right, which happened in the mid-90s, and the My Network drama series Saints and Sinners in 2014. There you go. Uh, She was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, but she was raised in New Jersey. Uh, Mm -hmm. She spent roughly 12 years in the modeling world before she uh, stumbled into the acting business. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she uh, made her New York stage debut at the Circle Repertory Company in the world premiere of John Bishop's Empty Hearts, for which she received a 1992 Theater World Award. Nice. Now, her name, Mel, is actually short for Melon, which was how her mm. baby sister pronounced Mary Ellen. So, her, her birth uh. name is Mary Ellen. Um, and, you know, <laughs> but baby sister the couldn't quite say Mary <laughs> Ellen, and, and it came out Melon. And then that got shortened to <laughs> got Mel. Mel. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. Um, Now, her ex-husband, David Hume Kennerly, was the official White House photographer during the administration of Gerald Ford, the U.S. President Gerald Ford. Uh, Now, while the couple was still married, Mel Kennerly, as she was known at the time, won quite a bit of money in the game show The $10,000 Pyramid. Oh. Uh, So, like, in September of 85 or so... Uh, she was on that show and she won some money and she introduced mm-hmm. herself there as a professional dog trainer. Professional dog trainer? Yep, that's what she says. Uh, at least that's what, wow. this, is, this is what IMDB says. You know, uh, so. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and it also had a little trivia there that when she was offered the role of Oma De she took it for her son, Byron, who was a huge Stargate SG-1 fan. Huh. Nice. And when she had this opportunity, uh, she said she had to take him. Uh, and she, apparently, she and her son had previously toured the Stargate sets in Vancouver a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once or twice. Now, her first IMDb credit came in 1986 when she played Girlfriend in an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Ah.
1: So, a memorable role. Yes. Now,
2: <laughs> she was a girlfriend. She not, I mean not the, even the girlfriend. Uh, she, was, she was just girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? I'm girlfriend. I mean not even singular. I mean that I, I mean that's, that's I mean I'm anyway, carrying yeah. on. All right. So, uh the next actor I want to talk about is Corin Nemitz. Mm-hmm. Uh hm. now I already all looked at this and I always thought it was Nemec. That's how I pronounced it. Um but as I was reading through uh on the uh, IMDb it says his surname is actually pronounced Niemitz or Nemitz. Um, so, okay. There you go. He plays of course Jonas Quinn. Uh, his name comes his name comes from his nickname Corky, uh, given to him as a child by his grandmother. Mm. Uh, he was mm-hmm. born in Little Rock, Arkansas, and then he later moved to Atlanta, and he now lives in California. And his first acting parts were in the series Webster in 83 and Sidekicks, Mm -hmm. uh, which was started in 86. He then Mm -hmm. got a part in Tucker, The Man and His Dream, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Mm -hmm. uh, And then followed by lead roles in I Know My First Name is Stephen and My Son Johnny. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he also got the lead role in the series Parker Lewis Can't Lose. All of those hmm. were relatively early in his life. Lose, um, can't lose. I think I know that one.
3: It was like a sitcom, I think. I, I, I. No, this
1: is like you. real. We're talking a real dusty memory back there right now. Yep. Like so, yep. not going to yep. worry too much
2: about it. But uh, anyway, carrying on. So now, in 2013, he got himself into a boating accident in Belize mm. uh, that apparently nearly killed him. Uh, and here's a quote. He says, The whole right side of my body was shattered. I have needed five surgeries, and I was out of commission for almost two years. It could have been wow. a real life-changing event, but I'm bouncing back now. So Wow. wow. There you go. Wow. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned before, in 1987 was his first IMDb credit when he played Kyle in Sidekicks. Mm-hmm. So that is... Nemetz, and then I have David. uh, I'm totally going to butcher his last name here. Hertubis, Hertubis, or he plays Thomas, one of the scientists, the lead scientist. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. He is an actor known for his time on Stargate. In this episode, Doctor Who, and Mm -hmm. Drive. uh, She said, Drive. She said, Uh, we've actually seen him. In Stargate before, he played mm-hmm. Dr. Kleinhouse in the season one episode, Hathor. Huh. So do you re- so remember at the very beginning of that episode, we've got a couple of doctors who are climbing yep. through, uh, you know, dusty places and they find the sarcophagus with Hathor in it. Well, one of them is Dr. Kleinhouse, and uh, David that here him. played that. that gotcha. Him. So
1: right in the Mayan, in the Mayan temple or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when the right. the Mayan temple, where they find an Egyptian sarcophagus. Yeah, we haven't we haven't really brought that. We haven't talked about that ever again, have we? Well, we did a little bit when we saw Hathor again, but then she died yep. and got thrown into some cryogenic <laughs> water, and and we we're <laughs> totally fine to see her go. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. So,
2: uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Then we stopped talking about her. Then and we, we wait, stopped talking yeah. about. Her. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yep. Uh, His first IMDb credit came in 1991 when he played Lenny in two episodes of The Commish. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. There you go. Uh, The original air date for this episode, Meridian, was May 10, 2002. Mm -hmm. Number one on the charts was Still Foolish by Ashanti. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And in the UK, they were listening to Kiss Kiss by Holly Valence. Okay, no idea. No idea. Kiss. Absolutely no idea. I have no idea. I do Uh know that in Spider-Man there are several kisses between Peter Parker slash Spider-Man and uh, Mary Jane, played Uh by um, Kirsten Dunst, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, and, that's right. and So there you go So that's that was number one Spider-Man Spider-Man um, is still number one Sp- Spider-Man still number one And what you find out Is that people are not always Faithful to one another And unfaithful becomes number two I have okay. no idea how I connected Anything to that uh, there it is. You know the reason um, That they're unfaithful Is yeah. because there's a new guy And oh. the, the new guy shows up And when we discover That the new guy Is in fact the Scorpion King All bets are off And you have to start Changing lanes Wow. Well
1: done again.
2: That there you was go. actually
1: relatively coherent.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I started reading like, hey, I can make this work. <laughs> hey, these
1: these
2: these concepts can connect. And this is how. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, well done. Uh, well thank done. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, what happened on this day or around this day? On May 9th, mm-hmm. the day before this episode aired, The 38-day standoff in the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem comes to an end Mm -hmm. when Palestinians Mm -hmm. inside agree to have 13 suspected militants among them deported. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think we actually talked about that a few episodes back when that actually happened. When it started. So so Mm -hmm. on May 9th, that comes to a conclusion. Also on May 9th, in Kaspiysk. Kes- uh, it's a Russian town.
0: <laughs>
2: a remote-controlled bomb explodes during a holiday parade, killing 43 people and injuring yes. at least 130. Dang. Yowzer. No yeah. On May 10, the day Meridian airs, mm-hmm. the Anaheim Angels crush the Chicago White Sox 19-0. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And the wow. Angels in that moment joined the 1923 Indians, the 1939 Yankees, and the 1950 Red Sox as the only teams to beat two opponents by 19 or more runs in the same season.
1: By 19 or more runs in the same season. Twice. That's a lot of runs.
2: That is. Wow. That's
1: ridiculous. That is, that's, that's banana cakes is what that was.
2: So, you know, the Angels in this situation and all of these other teams just really got all of their ducks in a row and and they were just flying straight (laughs) as an arrow. And I'm presuming that it was the
1: pitching that was probably carrying the day for them to get up to, to blank out the sock. You know, well, I mean, I have no, I, I don't remember.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean if, if the much? other team, if the socks in this case score zero runs, then your Angels pitching has got to be pretty stellar
1: because and that's kind of what I'm driving at. Like, you know, you know, your bats are hot and also your pitching is really, really good to, to you yep. know, but it could have been that the socks were just cold as ice too. Like, that's possible.
2: Well, yeah, I I don't know enough about. That your pitching
1: was actually not all that great, but like the batter.
2: <laughs> were just like, I'm going to swing at this. Woo! <laughs> nope, didn't work. Yeah. So on May 11, mm-hmm. uh, we get the very last performance of the musical Cats in London's West End.
1: Oh, that ran for like so That was
2: forever and ever. And then it comes yeah. to an end here in 2002. Yeah. Uh, May 12, the former U.S. President Jimmy Carter arrives in Cuba for a five-day visit with Fidel Castro, becoming oh, the I first president that. of the United States in or out of office to visit the island since Castro's 1959 revolution. Yeah. So.
1: I, I, and, like, yeah, because that was, I mean, obviously it was a big deal. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm surprised. So, So, you know what I'm joking about? I don't remember anything from 2002. Uh, It's much more about how I was living in my own little world about this time. And so, like, that I remember anything about the outside world is like, oh,
2: right, that happened. So, let's see here. In 2002, May, gosh, in May of 2002, Julie and I were uh, neck deep in preparations to move to Japan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was neck deep in trying to wrap up my college degree, yep. which was proving to be a challenge. <laughs> um, but I did it. I, I, but, but point is, is just like you know, yeah, like I said, own little world.
2: Yep. Yeah. All right, we do have a little bit of trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the accident with the nequadria core is loosely based on the demon core at the Los Alamos yeah. Laboratory, which caused mm-hmm. two deaths in nineteen forty-five and forty-six mm-hmm. from accidents when the core went supercritical and emitted lethal doses of radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so then, uh, yeah, so that's where that comes from. And what I understand is that Robert Cooper did a lot of extensive research on that event with the demon core, uh, so that, uh, like, um, uh, Jackson's description of what's going to happen to him and then how it is shot and filmed and, gotcha. makeup and all that stuff, uh, mm-hmm. is as accurate as they could make it
0: mm mm-hmm, Mhm, mhm, mhm.
2: So. Nice. Um and then of course, uh Colona, the the name of the uh the nation on Langara, mm-hmm. uh uh What's what's the name of the planet? Uh, I wrote it I Langara. don't know. It's, I can't remember. Uh secondary but, is what it was. Yeah, it was secondary. <laughs> um <laughs> Where is it? I Langara, there it is. I knew Langara. I had it down there. Gotcha. Um, so, Kelowna. The, but Cologne is the nation, and that is actually named after a real city in the province of British Columbia. Oh, neat. Uh So that's just kind of a nod to their area of production. Very good. Uh, we do have a couple of quotes here. Uh, let me start mm-hmm. with this one here. This is a rather lengthy quote from uh, Joe Malazzi. Mm-hmm. So in season five, actor Michael Shanks decided to leave the show when Brad told me I was shocked. I'd never known him to be unhappy or dissatisfied with the show's creative directions, specifically as it affected his character. But to be fair, being relatively new to the franchise, I can understand why I wouldn't have been first on his list of people to confide in. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he'd had many, many discussions with Brad and Robert, the series showrunners. Uh, Leading up to what was, no doubt, a very difficult decision for him. Anyway, Brad was clearly disappointed and promised Michael his character would have a memorable farewell. Despite what fans may have thought at the time, there was no ill will, no bad blood, simply a professional understanding and a desire on both sides to part ways on good, respectful terms. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what happened. I remember Michael visiting the production offices to say goodbye, and Brad telling him the door would always be open for him to do guest appearances if he was so inclined. Uh, Michael voiced his appreciation for the potential opportunity to revisit Daniel Jackson's character, and that was that. Until word broke and fandom reacted. To say a lot of fans were displeased would be an understatement. Mm -hmm. The boards lit up, the fans were furious, and I didn't blame them. Daniel had been there from the beginning. Hell, he'd been there before the beginning as a character Mm -hmm. in the original Stargate movie. He predated SG-1, and Mm -hmm. over his four-plus seasons on the show, had been the team's moral center. Losing him was a huge loss, not only to the fans, but to the show's creativity as well as as well as Daniel Jackson had always offered that strong civilian and philosophical counterbalance to SG-1's forceful military approach. Mm-hmm. More than Teal, Daniel Jackson was the true fish out of water, braving his strange, often hostile environs in surprisingly spectacular fashion. His absence would hurt not only his fans, but the show as a whole. Realistically, however, there was nothing to be done. The decision had been made and we had to live with it. We also had to live with the fan anger directed at us for letting him go and, more pointedly, for creating the circumstances which, in their minds, forced Michael to leave. Mm -hmm. To say I was surprised by the criticism, well, let's call that another understatement. I wasn't aware of any creative issues surrounding the Daniel Jackson character, I went back and looked over the episodes produced to date, and to my eye, Daniel Jackson was well represented in episodes like Beast of Burden, Summit, and The Last Stand. Mm -hmm. And, as the online outrage swelled, it suddenly dawned on me that there was a fundamental difference in the way the Daniel Jackson fans and I saw the show. To them, the relationship between Jack and Daniel was the heart of the series— and they felt the show's fourth and fifth seasons greatly lacked in all this, in this all-important dynamic. To my <laughs> mind, however, SG-1 was about the team, although I was always mindful of the print ads for the series that always said Richard Dean Anderson in Stargate SG-1. And as a result, I measured the success of each season by its ability to shine the spotlight on all four of our main characters in an equitable manner. Clearly, mm-hmm. it was a divide that couldn't be bridged, and as season five ended and work on season six commenced, that divide started to widen. Huh.
3: Huh. Huh. So, I don't know if I can, uh, yeah. There's, hmm.
1: Boy, there's a lot of information in there, isn't there?
2: Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I was reading that, uh, this like when I was reading that and putting that in yesterday, I'm like, this is fine. No big deal. And now as I read it this time, I'm like, gosh, that really opens up a lot of stuff that for, for Brent that may or may not be spoilery. So uh, um,
1: we'll get into it when we get into it. But I will say this at this point, Zach and I spent a decent amount of time before we hit the record button acknowledging that we're going to have to set some ground rules (laughs) on this conversation. (laughs) yeah. And, um, you know, and and, you know, I, 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 I think I said it plainly before we started recording and I'll say it plainly again, like, you know, like Zach, you're not responsible for trying to like preserve me in any way, though. I am asking like, you know, dude, you're going to be in a bad position because you're not going to be able to react to just about anything that I say. Um, But I will confess right now that um, I don't know if my memory is serving me correctly. Uh, I'll briefly mention this. Obviously, trying to remain spoiler-free for a series that's beloved and 20 years old and wants to get back on the air is basically an impossibility. And I have been very diligently trying to stay free of information for the express purpose of keeping this project together. Right. and, but there are things that are kind of unavoidable and what, and what I thought I saw at some point accidentally are promo images where I thought I still saw Daniel Jackson in it, but it, it was in a scene that I had never seen, but, or, you know, like I, I, I couldn't, and now I'm starting to doubt that, which is totally fine. Like, mm-hmm. great. If I fooled myself, then all the better, but like, um, hearing it out of uh, Joe Malazzi's mouth I think I have literally seen, except for cameos or clip shows, I think I might have seen Daniel Jackson for the last time. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay, I'm going to chew on that, and you can keep going if you'd like, Zach, or if oh, you have something boy. to say. That's,
2: that's, uh, yeah. <sighs> um... <laughs>
1: Dude, I'm so sorry. This is going to be probably the hardest oh, episode you're going to have. So, to do.
2: intergenerational
1: farming, Brent. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We decided that that was going to be our safe word. So, uh, if ever you hear one of us shout out intergenerational farming, that means we have to stop, take a step back,
2: and regroup. So, there is so much there, Brent. Um, just going to. There is no way I can comment it. on that. Uh, without no, don't even worry totally about totally f- shifting things around. Um,
1: so, listeners, you—I was thinking about this earlier. Listeners, you're going to have the advantage of being able to scream at your device. <laughs> like you can, you can just let fly every spoiler right now. You can just be like, blah, 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 like, and as we go through this episode, feel free to do it. Go ahead and let it out. Zach is on is in the unfortunate position of not being able to do any of that. <laughs> Not right. a bit. Not a bit. Okay.
2: Well, um, let's see here. I have...
1: Yeah, you had another quote, didn't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was actually going to... Um, oh, my god. Joe, Joe Malazzi also says this about this episode. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, most of you assume my heart is made of stone, but believe it or not, the ending of this episode always gets to me, even more so that time has passed I wasn't a fan of the ephemeral cuttlefish, but I did think uh, Corin Nimitz gave the best oh. performance of his Stargate run in, his heart, in this heartbreaker of an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right, it's this, okay. This,
1: if you literally can't say anything, you, just can, you can say that. You can say I can't say anything. So I'm and say everybody this. listening is going to know what you mean and I, I don't and that's fine.
2: I understand. I'm going to say this because uh, I need to. Okay. Um, this is an introduction to Jonas Quinn. We will see him oh. again. Okay. He is nice. coming back. I kind of
1: had that feeling. So, um... They were setting him up. I was a little surprised. Um, or wait, let me make sure that I get my characters right. Wait, 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 wait. Jonas Quinn. He's, um, he was the, the scientist. He Wasn't he the emissarial scientist dude from
2: the other planet or no? So he's the guy that came back with the Nequadra. He's on Earth now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. But he intoned that he was going to go back somehow. Well, Even though it was like plainly said, look, if I go back, I'm going to get prosecuted as a war or you know, something like that. And and that phrase kind of made me say, "Oh, yeah, he's not going back." But then he kind of said, "Look, if you develop this stuff, you have to share it with my world." "Oh, I get it." Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it. There we go. I'm I'm on I'm on track. Okay. I interpreted that to mean that he was about to go back. I don't know why.
2: Okay. So, yep. um yeah, I can say that. Okay. So, then I have something else here. Um Yeah, when the fans heard about Daniel Jackson's departure, holy Mm -hmm. smokes were they torqued off. There were Save Daniel Jackson campaigns all over the place. They even placed an ad in a prominent Hollywood newspaper to show their solidarity with Shanks. Um, And, of course, this was when uh, the series was moving from Showtime to Sci-Fi between 5 and six. And all of this was like, sci-fi was like, dude, the fans are ravenous about this. They're, they want no this stuff. No press is bad press. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're all like, hey, if, if they're this passionate, this is going to be a good thing. So, um, uh, let's see here. Shanks says, something, I think this episode might stick in my memory. Something you happens think? to Daniel and he packs his bags and moves from on from where he was at the time in the series. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that had to have been sarcastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know. Oh, the, the, wow. He continues. That was kind of emotional. Everybody was saying goodbye to every to an everyday thing. I mean, mm-hmm. these people become your family and the ramifications of that never really dawn on you until afterwards. Mm -hmm. But I think I realized that what we had was coming to an end. There was a lot of emotional stuff on set, and it was difficult. (laughs) I think the episode turned out well, considering the different agendas that were met. So there's no discontent there. Uh, But what kind of closure can you achieve in any one episode? However, when all said and done, I think that for what it was meant to do, Meridian was more than adequate and serviced my character well.
1: Dude, okay, uh, there's the part of me that is the performer, which is just delighting in the fact that we've accidentally captured my genuine reaction to the realization that Daniel Jackson is dead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because like I said, I had this like this back of the mind thing of like, wait a minute, but I'm, like, but I'm pretty sure I've seen stuff, right? Like that thing was telling, the back of my mind was telling me That this was temporary, Mm. that this looks like the killing off of a character, but that something was going to happen. Um, You know, before we started recording, uh, Julie was asking me, like, do I feel, did I at least feel like I wanted to immediately watch the next episode? The answer is yes, yes, I really wanted to keep going with it, but I'm going to stay on pace. But dude, (laughs) Daniel Jackson's dead. (laughs) 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 Whoa,
2: what? (laughs) Uh, What? What? Yep. yeah. D E D did
3: Wow,
1: wow. Y'all are catching me like for reals easier. <laughs> I'm shocked. I am stunned. That's that's that's
2: wow, 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 wow. And okay, so you are experiencing. What fans experienced back in 2002,
3: it, it's it's almost it's almost inconceivable. This is like it 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 is stunning.
1: Like Game of Thrones has a hilarious rap of being able to kill off main characters, right? But after after the fifth or sixth main character, <laughs> you you're kind of like. like yeah. You're, you're odds, looking, which at, one's gonna you're looking at everybody. You're looking at the minor characters going, you have a better chance of surviving than this person does. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, wow. I did not see this coming. Well, there you go. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was joking it up. Like, cause again, like, you know, I, I've really done my best to remain spoiler free, but I do know that there are cast shifts still to come. Um I don't know which ones. Uh I just know that that like there's the, there are these seismic moments that are still ha- that, that that are still in my future, but I didn't see this one coming. Not at all. Okay. I th- I thought I whatever. I uh, you know, I'll keep it to myself because again, this is going to be a tough one to talk about.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all right. uh, we have legitimately okay. blown uh Brent's mind, right? That uh, it has exploded. Wow. He- Uh, As as he proceeds to push his brains Back into his earphones Uh I will do my best Uh, uh, Here is what this episode Is entitled in different languages Jackson's dead, Jackson's dead No really he's dead (laughs) (laughs) So so We have The French call it Zenith The Italians call it uh, Meridian as well as the Spanish The Czech call it The Great Path The Hungarians, of course, back to Meridian. And the Germans, the decision.
1: Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but but real quick here. Yes? Was Meridian referencing anything in specific? I don't
2: remember. Um, So is
1: it liminal? Like, is that what they're trying to get at?
3: I don't know. But Zenith makes a degree of sense.
2: I don't so, know.
1: I'm gonna interpret meridian as a passing through from one side to the other.
2: Yeah. Um I think
1: that's splitting splitting in half.
2: That's that's probably you know, the the, the boundary line. Yeah. The border, mm-hmm. uh crossing the line from one area mm-hmm. to another area. Mm-hmm. Um that's probably our, our best bet. All right. Shall we <laughs> get into the synopsis? Good gracious, we're forty minutes into our podcast and we're just now getting to the synopsis. Uh, Folks, I think this may be maybe a long episode.
1: Wow. Okay, yeah. You you start getting into it. And I'm gonna collect myself here. Okay, here we go. Alright.
2: Don't touch me! SG1 pours out through the gate onto the into the SGC. They are all agitated. Daniel is beelining it to the infirmary. Something is wrong. Hammond follows his flagship team trying to get answers. Samantha hastily lays things out for the general. Daniel was exposed to a lot, I mean a lot, of radiation. He may in fact still be radioactive, ergo don't touch him. None of the others were present when the accident occurred, but the colonians, who are they? I don't know. We'll get to them in a little bit. Just a second. But they're saying that Daniel's tried to sabotage one of their scientific projects. None of his teammates believe that this is what happened. However, the details are a bit sketchy right now. As Daniel is whisked into the infirmary to get cleaned up, Samantha Anthony reveals the reality of the situation, Daniel has received a lethal dose of radiation. Hammond calls for a briefing. He needs to know what happened, and he needs to know it now. SG-1 was on the planet Langara. Langara has multiple superpower-like nations locked into a political Cold War, not unlike that of the US and USSR of the mid to late 20th century. The global technology of Langara is roughly analogous to the 1940s America. SG-1 was visiting the people of Kelowna. Uh, they discovered the Stargate uh, several years before and were using what they've learned already to assist with their war effort. In this case, it's working with an unstable variant of Naquadah called Naquadria to build a weapon of mass destruction intended to, quote, "...keep the peace." The Colonians were eager to see what the SGC might be able to give them and were looking forward to opportunities for trade. The Colonian advisor to the High Minister, Jonas Quinn, was showing SG-1 around one of their high-security scientific research bunkers, showing them the lab where the scientists were working with the highly radioactive Naquadria. Back at the briefing, Jack reveals that the Colonians are accusing Daniel of attempting to sabotage their research. Jack doesn't believe that for one instant the colonians are lying Hammond wonders what Daniel has to say about this Jack visits Daniel in the infirmary but Daniel doesn't seem interested in talking about what happened in Kelowna instead he explains that because of the intense exposure to radiation his body will begin to disintegrate causing lesions fluid buildup, bleeding grade A discomfort and pain as he slowly dies over the next 10 to 15 hours and there's nothing anyone can do about it, so, ugh. Jack suggests reaching out to the Asgard or to the Tok'ra for aid, but Daniel doesn't believe his life is any more valuable than anyone else's. Uh, actu- actually, truth be told, he thinks his that life is less valuable than everyone else's. The SGC should not expend extra resources to save him. Jack asks his friend what happened. Daniel says it doesn't matter. Jack presses him for an answer. Daniel reveals there was an accident, a big one, and that the scientists want to blame Daniel rather than accept the repercussions of what happened. Despite Daniel not wanting any extraordinary measures taken, Jack sees the general to look for extraplanetary solutions to his problem. Hammond reveals that the Asgard can't be reached right now for some reason, we don't know why, and that Jacob Carter is currently unavailable as he works to gather the few Tok'ra undercover amongst the Guawuld that are left. There are not feasible options right now. The depth of sadness and desperation fills the room. Neither of them can quite put the heartache into words. Jack checks in on Carter in her lab. She's been studying the Naquadria numbers. The substance is far more powerful than Naquada, and may hold the key to building hyperspace and shield technologies, something the SGC has been trying to do for a long time. The SGC needs to get their hands on some of this material. The general writes a letter to the Colonians in order to reopen diplomatic dialogue. O'Neill is not happy with this. He doesn't want anything to tarnish Daniel's name or to suggest that Daniel was guilty of anything in this. And he is livid that Hammond may actually suggest to admit to something of wrongdoing. However, Hammond's letter is crafted to apologize while not admitting any guilt. This is, you know, grade A politics here going on. He orders O'Neill to return to Langera to Kelowna, and deliver the letter. After delivering the letter, Jack goes to talk with Jonas. He appeals to him to admit to his government that Daniel did not attempt sabotage. Jonas is feeling trapped as well. He believes this project is absolutely vital to the survival of his nation. The narrative of what Daniel may or may not have done is too entrenched in the narrative of the Kelowna government. Jack continues to press the subject. A weapon of mass destruction will never have the desired effect unless, and maybe not even then, it is used at least once. Oh, and by the way, Earth wants the Nequadre in order to build defense shields, not offensive weapons of mass de- destruction. So, we're, yeah, I want this stuff. Back on Earth, Janet Frazier tells Carter that there's nothing she can do for Daniel except sedatives and painkillers. Carter volunteers to attempt to heal Daniel with a gulewooled healing device. She's uncertain and could easily make things worse, because she doesn't really know what she's doing, but Daniel nods and she gives it a go. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to work, and Daniel begins seizing. As Dr. Fraser and her team work to stabilize Daniel, he slips into a kind of vision where he meets Oma DeSala the ascended ancient whom they met on Keb who cared for the Harses' child born of sharay and Apophis. Now Jack visits Daniel again and tells him that he won't let the Colonians defame Daniel as a saboteur. In- Daniel inquires as to why, and Jack admits that he respects and even admires Daniel. Daniel re-enters his dream, oma in her typically cryptic manner invites daniel to ascend to a higher plane of existence how release your burdens okay consider them released um yeah it doesn't quite work like that yeah i didn't think that was gonna be that easy meanwhile jonas has a change of heart He realizes how absolutely powerful the Nequadria can be. He's disturbed by the horrific deaths of the scientists and equally horrified at the glee of his superiors when they saw the power of this material. He steals as much Nequadria as he can and takes it to Earth. Jonas admits to Jack what really happened. There was an accident as the scientists were working on the Nequadria. A radiation spock, spike knocked all the scientists in the room to the floor. Daniel, Jonas, and Thomas, the lead scientists, were in the observation room when this occurred. The core was building up to an explosion, an explosion that would easily have destroyed the whole city. Thomas runs away. Jonas cowers behind the protection of a presumably lead-lined wall. We don't really know, but you know, hey, he's okay. Daniel, on the other hand, draws his sidearm and shoots the glass. He dives through the glass and slams to the floor. Crush! He pulls the Nequadriacore out, avoiding the impending disaster, but as a result he kills himself with radiation poisoning. Daniel is speaking with Oma again. Being honest with himself, he feels his whole life has been a failure. While he speaks with Oma, Sam, Jack, and Teal each take turns sitting with their with her friend, each trying to convey how important Daniel has been in their lives, how Daniel has changed each of them in positive ways. Oma uses these moments to guide Daniel to a place where he can see his own worth. In seeing that, ascension becomes possible as daniel continues to battle with his own inadequacy oma explains to daniel that because of the size and scope of existence itself the only thing that a person really has control over in life is whether they are good or evil jacob carter arrives through the gate having heard their plea for help he uses the googled healing device to assess daniel's condition Daniel is in really bad shape. Jacob may be able to keep Daniel from dying, but he's unlikely to be able to return Daniel to full health. They give him the nod, and Jacob begins the process. Daniel notices it right away and has made up his mind. He doesn't want to be healed. He wants to die and to ascend. Daniel pulls Jack into his dream state and makes his request. Tell Jacob to stop. Jack tells Jacob to stop. And it doesn't take long for Daniel's body to give out. He dies. But then he also ascends as his body is transformed into energy. Jack, Sam, Teal, George, Janet, and Jacob look on as Daniel's ascended self disappears through the ceiling. The
3: End the end.
2: So Brent, <laughs> yeah, Meridian. <clears throat> what'd you think,
3: um, dude? Daniel Jackson is dead. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um. I am of
1: multiple minds as I usually am <clears throat> uh, there is the there's the aspect of television entertainment, which I think that um tsh- I- I'm willing to be critical of fandoms in general where they get um what I think is unreasonably possessive of the story. They get unreasonably possessive of, of the people who are the actors of the people who are the writers of the people who are the producers. Like people are people and people sometimes need to make decisions that change things. Um, right. To assume that a person is going to stay employed at a specific spot for the rest of their lives is complete lunacy.
3: Um, and to, Allow that allow the natural
1: impact of such decisions to spoil someone's enjoyment of something I think is 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 unfair, which is i mean that that word gets tossed about a lot, and I mean that like in its heaviest sense, like nail it straight into the middle of that meaning that is unfair mm-hmm. um uh and Michael Shanks wanted to make a transition and. that that's a 100% legitimate decision and sounds like he was well supported and boy, was he given a send off man. Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Way better than Tanith.
2: Um, (laughs) And um, Tanith wasn't his title character. Yeah. Yeah,
1: of course, of course. But, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, I was I was not realizing how much weight I was putting into what I th- I mistakenly a uh, mistaken memory. Like I thought that there was going to be some switcheroo. I thought there was going to be some some kind of cheap television magic here but um you know, just kidding Daniel Jackson isn't gone. Uh when I saw so I was mentioning <laughs> so, Zach, uh, undoubtedly, the preliminary conversation we were having before we started recording, where we acknowledged we really can't be talking an awful lot about it before we start recording, because obviously, the joy of this is to have a genuine exchange, you and I, on yes. the fly. Yes. Like, without pre-knowledge of what the other person is going to think or say about it. Yes. Um, So, we really do, do a good job of trying to stay on off the topic until we actually start recording yes this one was kind of unavoidable because come on but um in again in kind of setting up the ground rules uh i was acknowledging that zach is going to be in a bad spot to talk about this because there's so much about it but but i'm realizing now that half the reason why i was trying to be like look i respect how you can't say anything was because i thought That Michael Shanks as Daniel Jackson was going to be coming back Hmm. Um, because I thought I had seen something that basically intoned that. Uh And I'm wrong. Hmm. Um, Joe Malazzi's quote (laughs) brought it on in.
0: (laughs) Just just, just
1: leveled it in, which makes this moment pretty great because this is 100% genuine. I am just now, well, you know, 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, whenever you read it, I'm just now coming to grips that the character of Daniel Jackson is not going to be a character I'm going to be seeing anymore. And that emotion is very, it's very interesting to me. Um, Daniel Jackson isn't a real person. Daniel Jackson's a concept. Daniel Jackson is a character in a television show. Daniel Jackson's words and deeds are the imaginations of people wanting to tell a story within a bound of television production. That he became the character that I identified with the most is a natural artifact of storytelling
3: but to have that character removed uh, is stunning but I um,
1: I'm choosing my words very very carefully stunning is also another one that gets tossed around a little too easily but I'm literally stunned I was joking earlier that um. As the episode was wrapping up, I was literally sitting on the edge of my seat,
3: um. And uh. Processing. Processing the emotion of losing a character is.
1: Just really really interesting. I mean, again, like the characters, f- the character is fake, um, but the character represents something. Mm-hmm. And. I don't actually think that the representation is gone. Yeah. Jackson represented the moral core. Mm, He represented one of the moral cores. Uh, He represented the inquisitive trusting moral center. And I doubt that the inquisitive trusting moral center is actually going to be absent from the show. It's just going to take a new face. But... But that is a, that's, a, that's a risk, man. I don't know how many television shows I've seen where a central character for many seasons is replaced and the replacement just doesn't work.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: That they're trying to capture the magic that they had and it was a mistake to try to capture that magic. But if, but if what that means is that the inquisitive, trusting, moral center of the team is, irrepl- is not replaced, like, that's, wow, 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 like, what? Um, so I'm interested to see, and again, I mean, like, this, it's impossible for me to be thinking about this without at least some foreknowledge. At the time that this episode came out, There was a, they knew that they were going to have a season six, but that was, I mean, that, that, that's all they knew. Yeah. Um, they knew that Michael Shanks wasn't going to be a part of it, but that's all they knew. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not know that there were going to be five more seasons. And I know that that's true. And they didn't know that there are going to be two spin spin-off shows. And I know that too. So I know somehow they capture the secret sauce, but I don't know how they're going to do it. And that's fun in and of itself.
3: But wow. Um, Uh, boy it's interesting to me just how much of a gut
1: punch this is i'm not i wasn't expecting it to be this much of a gut punch Hmm. um and not in a bad way this is great story this is this is this is what storytelling is about, man. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is this is why storytellers tell stories. Um,
3: yeah. You know, I've,
1: I, this past this past year, I've actually um, you know been proximal to the grief of loss in ways that I was not expecting,
3: um, and this is a different grief. It's not the same but it is no less real. Yeah. Super interesting.
1: I've got so much else to talk about too. Um I'll give you a beat, but I understand if you say if you if you have to say you can't say anything, I completely get it. But I mean, there's so, the
3: elephant in the room.
2: Right. So um So it's I don't think it's a secret that Daniel Jackson was my favorite character of the series, uh in part because I resonated so well with that that character mm-hmm. um you know, like when he's sitting there with Oma Desala and he's saying i uh, well, I'm just doomed because I don't think I could ever be worthy, um you know and he's just talking about that existential uh feeling that that everything he has done has just led to more problems and greater problems and you know bigger issues and and you know failure after failure after failure he was tasked with trying to keep Sharae safe and he didn't do that and and it was his curiosity that opened the gate up again and that led to her being taken and and you know just all of this guilt that just is piling up on top of him Um, You know, I mean, that that feeling of inadequacy is something that is a strong element of me. Mm -hmm. And so when I see that on stage or on the screen in this way with a character that, that, you know, wrestles with that legitimately, and, and Shanks does a great job of playing this character of Daniel Jackson, just not... I mean, you know, feeling like he's good enough. Um, and then, of course, Oma Disleh is just saying it, like, look, this is plain as the nose on your face. They love mm-hmm. you. You've made a huge difference in their lives, and yet what is so plain is often so hard to see. um and and I resonate that in my my own life. That has mm-hmm. been my experience of me. um. And so to see that on the screen just hits me hard in the feels. Yeah. Um, and and then to have acting situations like like you know O'Neill, you know Richard Dean Anderson, Amanda Tapping, and Christopher Judge when they each take their moment and mm-hmm. say goodbye to Jackson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like oh man, especially Amanda Tapping. She's so good and that moment oh but it just it hits you in the feels and you just i mean it was just a moment that that just was like oh (sighs) um you know i've seen this episode countless times and i know Mm -hmm. how the story quote unquote ends Mm -hmm. right um and i think uh uh, Joe mentioned it in his, one of his quotes there, right? It doesn't matter. It still hits you in the feels, and you just feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was what this episode does for me. Um, and, you know, as one, you know, I didn't see this episode when it first aired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was trying to watch it when I could, but it wasn't until uh, season six, Um, when uh, I I was able to start watching uh, SG-1 on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then it was in that time that I started to, you know, catch up on all the back stuff and try to figure things out. Um, So I don't remember when I first saw this episode, but I've seen it many, many times. And it still just is that gut punch that, Mm -hmm. that... um is it is a good thing you know i mean it, it's done in oh, a yeah. good way you know i mean it's very effectively done yeah um and and i just appreciate that um other elements of this story uh i actually i like the callback to you know the dangers of nuclear warfare in a way that uh feels organic to me um you know, some of the characters are a little bit two dimensional, but they have to be to tell the story. Sure. Um, so I don't really mind that. Um, the beginning of this episode, uh, when they were kind of laying things out, kind of felt a little bit clunky to me.
1: Stick a pin in that because um, I did want to talk about the technical.
2: You know, um, Delivery. I, I appreciated it. And once that, so one of the things I learned in the commentary is that in one of its earlier iterations, this was designed to be a clip show. Oh. And that, you know, as Daniel goes through that existential process of kind of figuring things out, you would see different clips of mm-hmm. him uh, mm-hmm. from, from previous in the show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, that whole process got cut. Um, And I don't know exactly when or where it got cut. Um, I do know that uh, when they finished filming and finished putting things together, it it was about 10 minutes long, 10 minutes over long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And so they had to uh, do some pretty brutal cuts already Mm -hmm. just to keep it at 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, so... You know, some of the early stuff feels a little bit clunky, and yet the way that, because uh, Will Waring was talking about this in the commentary, that he kind of mixed and matched the, the, uh, uh, you know, there are almost clips. I mean, they were clips, but they were brand new clips of things that mm-hmm. you know hadn't that we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ba- back and forth at the the conference table and such actually worked well, mostly. That also felt a little bit clunky at times. Um, So
1: this is a great example of how when an artist makes something and releases it out into the world, it's no longer theirs. Um, Because uh, I specifically wanted to talk about the technical delivery of this story because I interpreted it very differently. Uh, It's interesting to hear that in the commentary, the director is explicitly saying, yeah, I was kind of, you know, kind of jamming some stuff in here.
2: Well no, so it, he he felt it was was organic. Uh and he tried to make because of the way he shot the people and like looking, you know, kinda angled to the left or angled to the right and whatnot. Yeah. Uh yeah. he was trying to get the uh and, he, and it works. He's trying to get the the um the clips of the past when they were on Kelowna yep. uh and the, the conference table kind of communicating to each other with each other. Yeah. Um so Here's um, yeah. w-
1: why I wanted to bring it up. It's because <clears throat> sounds, like, sounds like he wasn't going after this interpretation, but this is the interpretation I have. And I think it's rock solid because I think very highly of myself. Um, the, the pacing slowed down as the episode went on. It was very fast at the beginning. There, was mm-hmm. a, there, there were a lot of, of scene cuts, like scene changes. Um, in the beginning, back and forth, back and forth, reviewing what had happened, seeing what happened, reviewing what had happened, seeing what happened. And it slowed down as the episode kept going. It struck me after the episode was over that it was as if Daniel's life was flashing before his eyes. Mm. It was, uh, it was almost chaotic at the beginning. And it slowed way down to a peaceful exit at the end. Um, I thought that was intentional. And I thought it was brilliant uh, that you start with a cohesive story told in a way that has a ton of energy by the virtue of cuts alone. And you slow it down. You slow it down. You slow it down and you end on a nice smooth landing. Hmm. So I thought it was brilliant. Um, But again, this really might be how now that the art is in the world, people will interpret it as they will and they'll put their own meaning into it just like I did just now. But I thought that was just stunning. Just just brilliant television. Brilliant television.
2: Awesome. Um, you know, for me at the beginning, and maybe it's because I've seen this episode many times. I'm Mm -hmm. not certain. Mm -hmm. Um, the the beginning of the episode, as we were, I mean, there's so much exposition that needed to be needed to happen. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, there there are lots of episodes that have lots of exposition and and such. Um. And and this was no different, but even more so. Um, the the beginning for me felt like the opening credits, the very beginning, uh, the 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 teaser at the beginning. That mm-hmm. was just uh, like, you know, walking out, you know, just boom, boom, boom. Oh yeah, you, you felt the the urgency of every moment of that. Is um, that a one
1: take? I don't think so, but it certainly it, felt like one now that I'm thinking about it.
2: It was... I don't think it was one take, but it was certainly designed to have that feel. Yeah. It was designed to have that because... So, like, like all of that was done with Steadicam. So, the mm-hmm. camera was constantly moving and the people were moving around and all of that stuff. So, you know, I mean, the, you know, Waring did a tremendous job of that. Um, it was when we got to the conference table... And we were now going back and forth there. Uh, It works. It works for me. And at the same time, it feels, um, you know, like I ponder, is there a better, more cohesive way of telling that story such that you can tell the story instead of uh, talking about the story? Because uh, like whenever you're sitting around the 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 conference table, they talk about the story and they don't like live the story, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, but it it did give it did give me an anchor point. Mm. Um, I wasn't watching the story transpire; I was watching people remember, which is subtle but very different. I was firmly anchored in. The, what, 19 hours of Daniel Jackson's death. Right. And we were constantly going back. We were, we were all we were, we were getting tossed back into the story very regularly and seeing what happened. But mentally, I was still firmly rooted in that medical room.
2: Hmm. Okay. I totally see that. I see that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a transition... I think the transition comes, for me, when uh, Carter pulls out the healing device. Mm,
0: mm-hmm,
2: mm mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so, so it happens really just before um, we meet Oma Dasala. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but oh, I loved that scene. It's shot so well of her, like, so I don't really know what I'm doing. I could make things worse. Mm-hmm. and and when she does well, I don't know if she actually makes things worse, but she doesn't make anything better mm-hmm. uh her she's like just I'm sorry, it's two words, two words, Brent, I'm mm-hmm. sorry and what you hear is, oh my God, I killed my friend. Mm-hmm. I am the worst human being on the planet. I couldn't I can't believe I even thought about considering trying this foolhardy thing mm-hmm. in two words mm-hmm. I was just like, oh. You hit me. You got me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was that moment of transition for me, that, that uh, things began to shift, and, and the whole story began to open up. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I am very glad that you're saying that you sang, that the beginning part helped to anchor you in all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is great, awesome. Um, for me, I, I just find it interesting uh, oh yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was in that moment where there was a, a shift and then I, I kind of felt the the storytelling shift where it began to be more um present tense storytelling. Yes.
1: And I I also wanted to highlight that emotional payload because I had boy, I like uh my voice is cracking right now. <laughs> it is completely unintentional. <clears throat> and um, I the only way that I can describe I mean, I'm not sitting here teary-eyed right now, but I mean, I'm clearly just, I'm broken up. Uh-huh. Um, so it was very, it, it, it's interesting because it was uh, very, very, very um, salient uh, for me when I was watching... That scene. Here's why. Um,
3: I was not feeling as powerfully
1: emotionally driven in those scenes. However, the reason why it was coming to mind was that last night. So I watched the episode this morning. So there's that. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm really I'm really living it fresh. You are fresh. Um, Uh, last night I was watching episode three of season two of for all mankind. It's an apple plus doohickey. It's about, it's a Ronald Moore show. It's actually pretty good. I like it at least. And, um, there is, uh, something that is vaguely spoilery. So I'll try to keep it generic. Um, there's a tragedy that happens in season one. And in season an uh, episode three of season two, the emotional fallout of that tragedy uh, comes to bear. And I'm now realizing that I can't actually keep it all that much of a secret. So if you're really wanting to keep uh, Zach, are you okay with me going forward about this?
2: The chances of me seeing this show anytime in the near future is infinitesimally small.
1: Okay. Um, I'll do my best to talk about the 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 spoiler thing in the next, like, what, 90 seconds or so. So if you, listener, want to stay spoiler-free, just kind of bump ahead a little bit and then you can come right back in because that's... The detail is not important. It's the impact that's important, right? Here's the detail. In season one, one of the main characters has a son, a young son, about maybe 10 or 12 or something like that, who dies tragically. Mm. And that death is a m- big piece of the story in the... S- Closing parts of the of the season, big, 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 big deal. Lots of stuff happens as a result of that. Um, and in this episode last night, it's ten years later. Things have advanced, and the parents have um, healed a decent amount. They had since adopted uh, a child who is now their daughter. They're talking about next steps for the daughter. The daughter wants to go to Annapolis. The daughter wants to go into the Naval Academy, which is where her dad graduated. And the family mm. wrestles with it a little bit. Mom, mom and the daughter wrestle with it a little bit because mom really kind of wanted her to go to like a liberal arts college or whatever. And here, here the daughter wants to go into the Navy. And, but her mom kind of comes to terms with it. They tell the news to the dad and the dad just gets dark stormy and just demands absolutely not no it is not happening and the scene escalates and the tension mounts and 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 the acting's really well done um they uh, the the um it, it, technically violence but you know it's 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 shovy violence it's it's like you know the the mom is like the dad is saying just terrible things and the mom is getting right in his face and i mean it's very it's it's a very raw and visceral thing but then the dad kind of collapses in a chair and he's like, I, I, I don't know what came, I, I should be super proud. Like I should be super excited, but he could, and, and then he starts. So the actor who plays Ed Baldwin, I can't remember his name and I should, but the actor starts to go into it. And if, if you skipped ahead 90 seconds, skip ahead another 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, the actor, he falls into the chair and he starts to deliver the performance of a parent who has lost a child, but hasn't actually processed it. Because as he starts to try to get through this statement without breaking, he says he just felt like he was about to lose his daughter like, and the mom finishes the sentence, like we lost Shane. Mm. And the dad breaks down and just starts sobbing. And I broke down and just started sobbing as I was watching it. Um. My daughter's mom and I are divorced and there was a moment which has since passed. And it is so wonderful that our relationship is much more healthy and everything is just fine. But there was a strong moment where I had a very, very young daughter who I wasn't sure I was going to see maybe ever Mm. unfairly. um, That was half of the agony but it was still no less real (laughs) and the possibility was still technically there. Um, And having that kind of a story told where, you know, exactly what that pain is and then it's told well and acted well, it's very cathartic. Um, And so bringing it back to Stargate, Okay, friends. Yes, you, you've fast-forwarded far enough. Thank you. Um, watching Amanda Tapping deliver those lines and getting really, really sad didn't pull that same kind of weight with me, and I noticed it. But it wasn't, their, it wasn't Amanda's fault. It wasn't, it wasn't the story's fault. It was just a moment where I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm not getting tugged as hard as I was last night with this other story. Hmm. Um, but I'm bringing that up to say that the emotional payload is going to be different For each person, which duh, but let it be though, for a minute, like someone watched this and felt like it was speaking directly at them, kind of in the same way that you and I kind of realized that the light might have been talking to somebody that wasn't either of us.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. And
1: if, if we had a different experience growing up, how that episode might have just completely torn us to shreds, Mm -hmm. um, Kind of like I was kind of irrationally losing it when, um, Cassandra. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm literally tearing up again. Um, when Cassandra had an equida bomb in her and, and the, and the, the solution was to leave her alone in a mine pit. Oh, yeah. And Samantha was like, hell no, I'm not going to do that. Like, like, um, there are stories and there are emotional hooks that are gonna just slay me and they aren't gonna slay you. Yeah. And there are stories that are gonna slay you and they aren't gonna slay me. I'm glad you brought up uh Jackson talking about how his feelings of inadequacy. So um, I wanna pop in here
2: real quick, because you know, when as somebody who deals with his own issues of inadequacy as I do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I, I am thankful that I have worked through most of that most of the time and so I, I don't feel inadequate all the time mm-hmm. um, even not even most of the time anymore but there was a time good gracious there was a time and uh, you know but so just the idea that somebody else would love me so much that if I were in that place of, you know, brokenness, mm-hmm. uh, for them to just be slayed like a like Samantha Carter was, and Amanda Tapping did a tremendous job. That's what hit me, mm-hmm. uh, because I resonate with Daniel Jackson, and and, you know, frankly, there for me there is nothing quite so. Healing as knowing that somebody actually truly cares. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't think that you're worthwhile, Mm -hmm. at least it's me, when I didn't think I was worthwhile, and when I'm in those moments now, uh you know, the why would you even bother thinking about trying anything extraordinary? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not worth it. That's the feeling. And then for me to see this on stage, on, on the screen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you see that Jackson is feeling these feels, and you have, um, well, frankly, all three of the other actors, uh, Tapping and Judge and Anderson, stepping up in their own way to say, you make a difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, Teok saying, you know, when you die, uh, not only will we have lost a significant and important warrior in the fight against the Gua Wold, but we will—I will also have lost one of my very dearest friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, though that emotional connection—that says that, hey, even when you can't see it yourself, it's plain as day to others that you're valuable even though you don't think of yourself as valuable, that type of thing. And with this kind of acting and these actors and, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, especially with Amanda Tapping, Chris Judge, and Michael Shanks, those three there were like bestie friends from the very beginning. They just clicked together uh, from the very beginning of the series. Um, so those tears, that emotion is real. Mm-hmm.
3: Um you know
2: I I don't very often cry when I watch TV or movies especially sure. when Oh yeah when when I uh, have seen the show so often so I did not cry in that moment yesterday mm-hmm. when I watched it but holy smokes did I feel it well up even in my eyes Oh yeah So you know that was a moment that that uh it it hit me in the feels there it hit me in that just gut-wrenching spot even if it didn't hit you um oh so there you go uh,
1: yeah
3: and that's that's the point yeah yeah now there is there is an interesting universal tragedy that
1: A story where one of the main characters is vocalizing feelings of inadequacy can be so universally
3: understood. Uh That's a shame. It's true. It's barely or almost certainly nobody's fault. But the borderline plague of the emotional burden of the feeling
1: of inadequacy is (laughs) um,
3: stupidly common. Yeah. And for something that is so common that it is not a, um,
1: that it is not a piece of the human experience that also comes with a solution is just,
3: is just criminal.
2: So I'm going to push back on that a little bit because you're right. It doesn't have a solution. And yet, it is paradoxical. But when I was trying to be together, when I was trying to assume that I had it all together, that I Mm. was a, a whole person, That was the time when the feeling of inadequacy was the biggest, was the most, was the most poignant.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And when... Carry on. Mm -hmm. And
2: when I learned, and this Mm -hmm. is a slow process, but when I Mm -hmm. learned to uh, accept that I was broken Mm -hmm. and to accept that my brokenness did not need to be fixed in order for me to be whole, Mm -hmm. it was in that moment where I began
3: to realize that
2: I was whole and that the brokenness all of a sudden was not as severe. Yep. Uh, and it is that paradoxical place that, that it is when, for me, when I accepted that I was simply a broken mess and that I was okay as a broken mess, that I all of a sudden became less of a broken mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an episode that just delivers that for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oma's line at the end the only thing that you control is whether you are good or evil I think that might be a little bit uh, simplistic a little binary for me but in the end the only thing that I can control is what I do Mm -hmm. Um, and while my intentions don't excuse my behavior Mm-hmm. My intentions are part of my behavior.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the only thing that I can control is what I do, not how you take it.
3: There... And, oh, go ahead.
2: And, and that is... That, for me, has been a liberating uh, realization in my mm-hmm. life.
1: There is a... Um... There's a line in an indigo Girl song that I just adore song is strange fire and um the The line is when you've lear- when you learn to love yourself, you will dissolve all the stones that are cast and the 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 words are the words are almost trite um the the, the phrase is <clears throat> I think it's overused. Um, but the, but the, (laughs) the mess, at least the message that I hear whenever I hear that line, um, is that learning to love yourself is not trivial. We say it all the time. We, we say that at each other quite a lot. Um, or at least forms of that, but the, the, but the doing of it
3: is. Bizarrely hard. And I think I hear an
1: echo of that when you were talking about your experience, Zach, where where the, the real uh
3: the real freedom comes in stopping trying to be what you're not. And yes. and being what you are is terrifying and when you realize
1: that the pain of trying to be something that you're not is going to exceed the pain that you get from the terror of being what you are, that's when you suddenly, at least from my experience, that's when I suddenly was like, oh, I,
3: um, I, I, can, I can feel like myself and that's okay. And
1: the amount of positive impact I have on myself and my environs with just that thought is
3: is monumental compared to the undertow of emotional weight when I was trying to be something
2: that I wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the heart of this episode. And Uh that's the the heart of what Oma says to Daniel, is that in order for you to ascend, you have to be honest with who you are and be okay with who you are. Right. And while this is definitely... A a science fiction show, and the whole idea of ascending to another plane of existence is definitely not within the uh, uh, the the realm of my faith-based experiences and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something true about when we can acknowledge who we are and learn to be okay with who we are. There is a transformation that happens in us whether we ascend to a higher plane of existence or not, that's irrelevant to our everyday life. Um, um, but it is, it is a truth that I love this episode for. Yep. So
1: I just glanced at how long we've been talking. It's we're on the clock. We're about an hour and a half in, um, I got to tell you, there's still, there's still things that I really, really, really want to talk about, but, but we're, we're way along. It's going to take us another hour and a half to get through it.
2: Yeah. So, um, as we were talking about this, Brent, I, I figured mm-hmm. that it is necessary for us to say this. So in the United States, if you are dealing with, with, the uh, feelings and ideations of suicide or, harm, Oh God. Yeah. Uh, Get help. There are people in your life who want to help you. Yes. Uh, and if you don't know who in your life you can turn to, there is a hotline. The, national, the U.S. hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, call it. Talk to somebody. Um, because these things are important. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're listening in not the United States... Um, Google it, find it, because there are places that you can get help um, through this. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just needed to toss that out there. You matter. Wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, you matter. Yeah, absolutely.
3: And there's... um, It's true and there are there are so many moments where
1: that truth is echoed to the point of losing its power
3: um where somebody who might have heard that might have rolled their eyes and go yeah 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 I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know any other way to say it that might
1: be any more convincing but I mean other than to say for for everything for every idea that might cross a person's mind as to why their situation might <laughs> might categorize them as completely unique in all the billions of lives that have ever lived on earth and that their actual worth is indeed nothing. No. 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 Uh, For for what it's worth, random internet stranger right now is telling you there is somebody that will be very sad if that happens. And that person might not be saying it, and that's a tragedy unto itself, but finding the folks who make you feel valuable is important to do and worth doing. And if it starts with a phone call to a complete and utter stranger who's willing to To create that kind of connection with you even for a moment, that's where it
3: starts. Because you can have it. There are people who care about you. Guaranteed. Yes, absolutely. Brent, I want to
2: (laughs) try to... This this is such a... Woof! Um that that got deeper than I was expecting mm-hmm. um <laughs> i I knew that it could get there, but I don't know so and I don't know how well to transition well
1: we can I recommend that we just rip it off like a band aid uh good friend listener this is gonna be <laughs> we try to make things smooth this one isn't gonna be smooth um We'll just move on to the next part because that's what we're going to do. But um, and we might, we might, we might launch into something that immediately causes us to start laughing, because that's how we are. But
3: uh, but uh, this was this was monumental. Mm-hmm. This episode was monumental. Yeah. Um.
2: Are there things that we need to talk about before we move into our Chevron ratings? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, let's
1: let's acknowledge that um, we could easily we could easily talk about this one for hours. May 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 we have opportunity to continue to talk about this, Zach? Just you and I, just because um, because this was this was great.
3: This one mm-hmm. was great.
2: Yep. Okay. Well then, mm-hmm. I ask you, dear friend Brent. Yeah. How many chevrons does this episode get?
1: I mean, there's only one answer, right? I mean, like this is this is 8. This is 8 chevrons. Um this is a game changer for the show.
3: Uh I thought it was just stunningly done. Um everything about this was so good.
1: Everything about this was so good. Even the trivial parts were so good. Um, And it knocked me flat on my back in a good way. Uh And then it opened up the the possibility to have just a genuinely rich conversation. I I can't ask for anything more. This is an eight out of seven.
2: Eight out of seven. Yep. So I have been giving this a lot of thought over the Mm -hmm. last. 24 hours or so since I watched this episode yesterday and I've been thinking about where do I place it um, and there are lots of different reasons where I could go in lots of different places with it Um, there are some places that felt a little bit clunky to me mm-hmm. there are places mm-hmm. that um, didn't Quite feel as smooth as they could have been. Um, and yet, this is also a watershed episode for the series. Um, and it, not only because Daniel Jackson has died, um, and that might be borderline spoiler. And so, okay, so be it. There it is. Um, but I think that when it's all said and done, and I've been wrestling with where to put this, uh, I think that I need to agree with you a hundred percent that this is, in fact, an eight out of seven. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. Right. I, I, I feel- <laughs> I'm feeling the weight of our episode on top of me, Brent. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) So, well, it will uh, be of no surprise to you, I think, that we have several uh, predictions.
1: Oh, boy. I I bet you there's a lot of people that have a lot to say.
2: (laughs) Right. So... uh, I'm going to take these in the order that I find them. So we're going to start okay. with Kimberly. Ooh, you're going to do that. I did put it on Twitter.
1: Oh. You start with Kimberly.
2: Or do you want me to do my thing first? Um, yeah, why don't you look on Twitter real quick?
1: All right, I'll look on Twitter real quick, real quick. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, dear. <laughs> hey, Zach, it looks like we got some predictions on Twitter. <laughs> oh, hey, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> okay, uh, do you want me to go through them? Yeah? Uh, yeah, why don't you go through them? All right, okay. Uh, now I got to figure out how to make this go. Okay. Um, we've got David. Hi, David. He says, I predict the room where Brent was watching got a little dusty, causing his eyes to water up a bit. Ooh. Yeah. As we said, close, close, but not quite, but pretty close. All right. We've got, um, the handle is the computer guy. There's a Kevin in the name, so I'm gonna say hi Kevin. I'll make my prediction here this week. Oh, it must be it must be our Kevin. Hi Kevin. Hi, our Kevin. Um I'll make my prediction here this week so that Brent will have something to read <laughs> for the prediction time. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a six for both Zach and Brent this week because insert bagel comment here. Well done. Well done. Yes. Uh. A great episode. Um the, the, oh shoot, I clicked a button. Okay. I'm back. Um, yeah, th- here's the thing. I didn't have a bagel this morning, so there's that. Imagine if I had had a bagel. I might've tried to make a ninth nice Chevron happen. I don't know. Um, hmm. then we've got Rob. So hi, Rob. First time predictor here. This is a great episode. I predict sevens all around, including me. Yeah. Ah, uh, yep. I completely agree. So there's our Twitter comp There's our Twitter predictions. All right. Nice.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Twitter folks. I uh, yes. appreciate that. So, on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, we'll start with Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. She says, dial it up. For meta reasons, Zach will lock in that eighth Chevron. Oh, boy. The acting yep. in this episode <laughs> is superb, especially between Jack and Daniel. Uh, prediction, yeah. Brent, seven out of seven. Zach, eight out of seven.
1: Yep, yep. There you yep. go. Way up there. Yep.
2: Tim says, hi, Tim. If it wasn't for the importance of the episode, I may, quote, only give it a six. But given how important it is, it has to be a seven chevron from me. Great character moments showing the love between the characters lets us know that characters can die. Redacted, Mm -hmm. redacted, redacted. Uh, Still gets me in the feels. My guess is a seven from Zach. Wouldn't be surprised if it gets the elusive eight chevrons. Yeah, yeah. And a six from Brent. Mm hmm. I'm feeling generous. There you go. Uh, Julie says hi. Julie. For me, this is a six, not because the episode isn't great, but because I think other episodes are better. For you, though, I think seven's around.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: All right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, who's this next one? It's Dan. Dan, hi, Dan. is next. Um. He says, I saved my first guess for this episode. Uh Found you guys during last summer and caught up midway through season five. Well, Uh thanks, Uh Dan. I'm glad that you were able to find us. And thanks for joining us on these predictions here. This episode is an easy seven. Plot Mm -hmm. armor finally fails, or is it for unemployment benefits? We'll never really know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. there you go he continues
2: uh we are put through the emotional ringer angry yeah. at the colonians early on sympathetic to jonas's yeah, plight yeah, yeah. of doing the best thing for his country versus doing the best thing for his conscience we didn't yeah. even get a chance to talk about all now, that there was
1: th- literally there were
2: three other things that i wanted to talk about i'm not joking but that's okay we like it's fine it's like yep uh, yeah. Then shaken to our core at the end of the episode with, in my opinion, the second most gut-wrenching moment in the series. Mm. Hmm. Um, thanks for the podcast. Truly have enjoyed it over the past eight months, catching up, I'm and welcome. now working through new episodes. Yes! Special shout out to uh, Cliff Simon. Uh, yeah, so you uh might not have known this, Brent. Um. Yeah. But the actor who plays Ball, we met him in Summit and Last Stand. Yeah. Uh, Cliff Simon, just a few days ago, got into an accident and oh, died.
1: Oh, no.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, now, <laughs> oh, I no. can't remember exactly what was oh, happening dear. in the accident, and so I'm not going to say that here now. But Sure. Oh, my. So we've, you've only just met Ball. Uh, suffice it to say ball becomes a significant villain for the rest of the series. Gotcha. Okay. Um, uh, and so when that news came out, it definitely rocked the, the Stargate world. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, Hey people out there, you matter. You really do. do matter. Um, okay. So that was Dan. Uh, Sandis says... Hi, Sandis. The first time I saw this episode, I was devastated. My favorite character was always Daniel. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. Not knowing why was worse. Was it the actor wanting an exit? The writers ending the journey? If it was... If it was... If there was a possibility for comeback or that's it, God knows how much... I okay, okay, redacted, redacted. <laughs> but in my late rewatch of the series, I was able to appreciate uh, redacted. It took <laughs> a lot of courage. Uh, okay, so it took right in Daniel. You know this right? Okay, so anyway, he so she says uh, <laughs> seven for Brent and Zach. Oh. Say say that again. I was laughing. Seven Sorry. for both of us. Ah, oh, gotcha. Yes. Yep. Okay, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Uh, Lisa says no. Daniel's dead. But 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 what happened to plot armor? Oh, right. Hang on. He ascended. You say? Oh, okay. That makes all the difference. <laughs> I I think anyway. So yeah. Okay. So. I'll admit there there are better episodes out there, but for importance alone, and the ending, this has to be at least a seven, surely. So yeah. in the case, uh, in that case, I'm going to go for an eight from Zach and a seven for yep. Brent. Yep. I just don't yep. think he's ready to lock in that magical eighth chevron yet. Oh, shocker! Surprise! Surprise! Yeah, there you go. All right, we have Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. She says. I was 13 when this episode aired, and I just remember being left inconsolable. Yeah. I still have a good cry over Meridian whenever I watch it, but the first time was terrible. It was so bad that my parents ended up arguing because they felt so bad for letting me watch the show. Oh, yeah. God, (laughs) This is such an important episode, and the acting, again, from RDA and Michael Shanks is so good. The way the story is told, we see Jonas battle between doing the right thing, his own conscience versus his country stuff, Mm -hmm. and how Jack is also willing to do whatever it takes to save Daniel. Mm -hmm. It's a game-changing episode, in my opinion, and you guys know I love your podcast, but I've really enjoyed listening to Brent's thoughts on Season 5, as the rest of us have known how the season and beyond plays out. Yeah. I'm going to say this episode scores highly from you both. I'm going to say eight chevrons. Or maybe seven and a half from Zach given other episodes still cut to come in the future. Jacqueline. I, I well think she got done. it. Didn't she get it? Yeah, she got she it. Yeah. It. The eight chevrons from yeah, absolutely. Yeah, eight from both of so, us. Yep. So that was another thing. Um what would she mention here? Um the Jack Wing willing to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um and then And then for that final conversation between Jack and Daniel, and Jack is the one that says, Jacob, stop. That was also just one of those moments that that was uh, a major moment for both Jack and Daniel and everybody. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Austin. Hi, Austin. Choo-choo. The plot rolls on for this one. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we see a side of Carter we didn't want to see as her eyes light up for the Nequadria in the face of Daniel dying. In this episode, we get introduced to Jonas. Can I tell you I'm in the Daniel Jackson camp? Uh, Why would the Cologne scientists have a particular reason to cover up if it was in their best interest to not be exposed to the effects of a failure? Seems like most scientists who knew what they knew what they did wrong are now dead so they are doomed to repeat the same mistake. Not really a deep episode but ultimately this is a wonderful that, episode yeah, for fair. many yep. reasons and yep, demands yep, yep, yep. to be taken seriously. Incredible acting by everyone and should bring a tear to an eye at least. Tilk really puts the heartstrings pulls the heartstrings on this yeah, one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, six for Brent because the good acting, but the plot is not that deep. And seven for Zach due to the amount of topics discussed like Ascension and Nequadria. Um, so I would yeah, probably we, we challenge we even... a little bit on the plot not being deep. Um, I mean, we, that's not the direction that we ended up talking about, but I think that there is still a lot there. Um, There are some plot holes that, that need to be you know really ought to be touched on like uh if the radiation was so bad as it was when when uh uh, jackson broke the glass how come jonas wasn't affected
1: Uh, yeah i mean behind a wall you know
2: yeah you know radio
1: radio radioactivity is basically light so he was in a shadow um you know there's there's reasons i i think i think I think what was what was being you know what Austin was trying to say. I think what Austin was trying to say is that nominally, even though the A story was not the A story, it was not the A story was not the um, bomb development. It was Daniel Jackson and his transition. That was the A story. Right. But on the face of it, the A story was the events that transpired that brought Daniel his death. And on that ground alone, I think I agree. The story was a little weird and shaky, but I immediately pivoted off that. I was immediately going, that's, that's not the A story. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Fine. They, they, they did a, they did a nuclear test that went wrong. Yeah. 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 The A story was Daniel Jackson and his transition. And in that respect, um, there was no real plot to screw up necessarily. It was just questions to ask and responses to have an, and, and a send off to have, yeah. um, So, as I view it in that interpretation, that's where it's strong. But if I were to view it as a, like, you know, Nequadria and a 1940s esque scientist, you know, like uh, that, I'm in agreement with. It's like, "Mm, what's going on with that one? But I'm letting that go.
2: All right, cool. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. We do have a comment from JD. Yeah. Hi, JD. So, I don't think it is a spoiler to say this is an episode with long lasting consequences. Mm -hmm. Wormhole Extreme was an 8 for the absolute fun. This one is an 8 for the absolute Mm -hmm. hurt you can feel in everyone's eyes. Mm -hmm. I think Zach and Brent will both supercharge this episode for an 8. Zach knows the things, and this will be 100% a game-changing episode, which Brent has said is required for the elusive 8 from him. You got it. You got uh, it. So JD, as one who so often seems to get our predictions wrong, he's been you doing it better. Nailed it this time. Yes. So good on you. Absolutely. All right. Now I think that there might be a few more squirreled around here. So let me see if I can.
1: While find Zach's them. doing that, I'm going to confess to you all, listeners, that normally I take out the silent parts in our conversations. And I do something called tightening where I kind of squish it in a little bit so that there's not really these long pauses in between these parts. This is a part where we usually have a lot of long pauses because Zach is transitioning from one spot to the other. I usually keep it quiet. And then in post, it all comes together and you don't notice the difference. Why am I blabbering right now? It's because I'm going to intentionally leave all of the long pauses that we had (laughs) way back there in the beginning of our conversations, which means I'm not gonna be tightening this part But hopefully I gave Zach enough time to transition.
2: Okay. So you did. Um, (laughs) Nice. uh, uh, I think I got all of the uh, predictions from Facebook. And if I missed yours, I am terribly sorry. But we do have several um, emails that came out. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So the first email comes from Chris. Hi, Chris. He says, Dear Zach and Brent, I'm Chris, and this is my first time emailing you, so I will break it down into my thoughts on you guys and the prediction. Okay. Uh, We will skip the thoughts on us guys and go straight to the prediction. Brent, I can tell you that later if you want. Or you can go to the email
1: and read it. I can read it. Yes, exactly.
2: So in my time of listening to you guys, I have learned one thing. That Brent mm-hmm. and my girlfriend have a very similar opinions and ratings on SG-1. Yes, that does include Bane. <laughs> Incidentally, folks, he does talk yes! about things that, and, and the fact that he's been introduced his girlfriend to the show. Uh, so, ah, there you go. Yes. I loved this episode and would give it an 8 out of 7. I mm-hmm. think Brent will also give it an 8 because of amazing performances, gut yep. punch, and and he had a really good breakfast.
1: Yeah, no, Zach no, last gets part, an no,
2: eight for, for the same reasons, but also future stuff.
1: Future stuff.
2: Yeah. Thanks yeah, for the yeah. amazing podcast, and can't wait to listen to the next one.
1: Awesome. Thank you so, so much.
2: Well, Chris, for your first prediction, you got it absolutely right. Yep. Congratulations. Yep. Well done. On that. Okay, we have Aunt Susie. Hi, Aunt Susie. She says, this is a tough one. I have always had a compelling affinity for the Daniel Jackson character ever since he was created by James Spader and mm-hmm. Michael Shanks' portrayal has only strengthened that bond through the years. So it is a gut-wrenching so it is gut-wrenching watching this episode that was written in order to deal with real behind the scenes events. I usually Mm. watch it with a glass of wine in hand, which really doesn't help, but just (laughs) makes me a miserable drunk. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, I hear you. Uh, It is heartbreaking to hear Daniel talk about not being worthy of ascension or having accomplished anything good in his life, and his farewell to everyone, especially his best friend Jack, is intensely emotional. I have to give it a seven for the brilliant acting, Excellent character development, the emotion the episode evokes in me, the introduction of Mel Harris as Oma Dasala, and mm-hmm. establishing Ascension as a major concept of the mythology throughout the remainder of the series. Okay, if that wasn't clear, Brant, it's true. Uh, it, it, uh, it,
1: uh, the impact of this, like I said, I thought... I was brilliantly misled by myself. I did a great job of keeping myself so spoiler free that I thought I saw spoilers and then it turned out I didn't. Maybe I did. I don't know. I still don't know. So whatever. I'm going to be in the moment.
2: Like, I, uh, uh, I, you know, we're going to talk about intergenerational farming for a moment. Here.
1: Intergenerational farming.
2: <sighs> All right. Anyway, she guesses. Uh, my guess yeah. is Zach will give it a seven, and Brent will mm-hmm. give it a six for reasons I can't begin to guess, maybe because of the stale bagel. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I'm a okay, so, so we do need bagel watch, Brent. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had a cold piece of pizza. A cold piece of pizza. That is a very yeah. odd bagel.
1: It's because it's not a bagel.
2: Oh, I had a bagel this morning. Oh, did you?
1: Was it an everything bagel with butter?
2: Actually, it was a Parmesan bagel. Uh, mm-hmm. So kind right. of like an Asiago bagel, but it's Parmesan, yeah. not Asiago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it was quite tasty, and I uh, had some <laughs> butter and a little bit of garlic <laughs> salt on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and uh, <laughs> this was a homemade bagel that Julie, Julie makes our bagels, oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, and she does yeah, an excellent yeah. job of that. Yum, 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 yum. Mm-hmm. So, okay. <laughs> well, that was Aunt Susie. Thank you, Aunt Susie. Uh, we have Ed having a prediction. Hey, Ed. It's morning, much earlier than Brett would have expected, but finds himself awake enough nonetheless and as he makes his way through the kitchen is comforted by the sweet still silence married (laughs) with the milky rays of sunlight breaking through the window. He welcomes the gentle interruption of silence from the sound of the coffee dripping as he reaches for the bagels. Just a simple bagel with cream cheese he thinks to himself with a smile accomplished from the simple joy of Saturday morning. But, as if by providence, in that self-same moment, he remembers the smoked salmon he bought on an impulse while at Costco. He pauses and meditates. Sure, it's Lent, but it's a Saturday morning. Reluctantly, he sets the bagels down, turns to the fridge for the smoked salmon. My spontaneous salmon, he chuckles to himself. (laughs) It's not often he gets a lock of... Bagel and Bagel and his apprehensions have all but now dissipated like the vapor from his hot coffee on a cold morning. He suddenly (sighs) remembers he doesn't have capers, but shrugs it off. He has the red onions anyway and is altogether happy with the treat he's prepared for himself. With a smile on his face, he props up his phone to watch Meridian while he enjoys this blessed moment.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Except episode, for that I didn't. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, except for that I didn't have a bagel, nor do I have locks. nor do I have red onion, and I don't have capers. Um, As in, y- 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 Ed, you're right on the money. Don't do something unless you're going to do it right.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: But that said, it's as if he had a camera in my house.
2: There you go. This episode changes everything. Mm -hmm. I think this is where the whole series pivots. Zach will give the episode 7 out of 7 chevrons on this account with his foreknowledge. Brent Mm -hmm. clearly had had an auspicious bagel but did not expect (laughs) his smoked salmon to foreshadow what he thinks may be a jumping shark. This episode will spark discussion, Ooh. inducing a chevron encoding bias that will redeem his breakfast, formerly ruined retroactively by this episode. He will give it a six out of seven, but reasons. But seasons jumping from now, shark. he will look back and wonder why he didn't give it a seven.
1: Oh, interesting! No, obviously, I did not feel like it was jumping sharks, but I, I, I it's just, it's just great to think that. I guess I could have had I could have had that interpretation, couldn't I? I yeah. could have I could have been on like, ah, oh, what a got? throwing away Daniel Jackson. Who are they gonna bring in this young whippersnapper. Give me the old days. fact, actually bring back James Spader.
2: Don't do that. that was- I mean I like James Spader. He's a great actor and all that stuff. But no, no, no. Keep that, let me keep Michael Shanks.
1: I mean, hey, if 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 Daniel Jackson is ascended, then he could take any form he wants.
2: I suppose that is true. Mm-hmm. There is that there is a true statement there. Potentially. Potentially. All right. Well, we do have one more prediction from mm-hmm. David. I David. David has a very, sh- a very sad Chevron bias buffer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's hard. By the way, Ed. Well done. Oh man, that was a delight. well done. Especially uh, because, even like me I said, over your words there in the middle. I'm sorry about that, but you know it uh, happens. The
1: the the the. I don't know. Do I come across as a morning person? Maybe I've said as much. Um, But like basically everything in that statement was a true statement. Basically. (laughs) But for the fact, if I did have smoked salmon and red onion, but no capers, like you bet I would be putting lox on my bagel. And no, I would probably be very particular and be like, look, it's not a proper. It's not proper locks without red onion and and capers. You, You can't, you can't, you can't shortchange it.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: and the coffee and the smirk and the being all like, hmm, what a great day. Yeah, totally me. That was great.
2: Awesome. Okay, back to David. Back to David. David says, it's hard to put myself in the position of watching this episode for the first time, even if this is not an episode I've watched repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I knew what was going to happen in the end, and I know all about what happens in the remaining seasons. That being said, they also told us in the opening scene essentially what was going to happen to Daniel. Mm-hmm. So this is really a, no, they can't be serious. They wouldn't do that, would they? He has plot armor episode, but but they did it, and it was a bold mm-hmm. decision. Even if Daniel is only ascended, I'm also sure that at this point, Zach has brought up the behind the scenes of why this happened to you, so I won't go into yeah. that.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I have to look at it this way. Did they make me feel the feels? Yes. Did they string me along to give me hope, yet make me feel that it was the right thing in the end? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was Daniel's death, quote, earned? Yes. Mm. Did it further the meta story and set, up, set us up for more? Yes. More mm-hmm. importantly, though, was it, a good, was it a great episode? No. Right. While I do appreciate a I good non-linear story, story it was light on plot and heavy on emotional manipulation. Was it really a? Was it a really good episode? Yes. Was it a great episode? No. Was it a really good episode? Yes. He says Brent will give it six chevrons because maybe he does not like having his emotions manipulated like that <laughs> and held him back from giving it a Bane seven. Zach will give it a six out of seven. I'm oh, sorry, six and a half sh- chevrons out of seven because time lessened the impact of the outcome, but he really appreciated what went into it. P.S. Hey, Brent, I've been messing with you all season long with all of my plot, plot armor, armor comments. Thing? Oh, you I mean sure. I meant each and every one of them, but they <sighs> were all for you just to see you upcoming in this oh, episode. Oh, you. All snot. For you. <laughs> Oh, that
1: what I, mm, I will 100% own that I got played. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will 100% own that I was getting yes, that that if that was your intention, you played me like a fiddle. Yep. Absolutely. All Absolutely. Right. Well done. Well done.
2: So, those are our predictions thank you nice. very much everyone you yes, did that thank you i uh, kind of had a sneaking suspicion that uh when the word came out that uh, there would be a lot of predictions being made um so there you have it thank you very much yep thank those. you everybody
1: all right <laughs> this is great this is so much fun <laughs>
2: <laughs> so brent
1: uh I was, before you transition, sorry, oh, yeah. I was telling Zach uh, earlier, like, <clears throat> I'm not sure if there is a soul on planet Earth. He assures me that I am not as special as I think I am, but I think I am just stupidly privileged to be going through this show, which is clearly very good, in the way that I am able to, with the privilege of having all of you all along for the journey. And having the ability to both dive into it, but still be unaware of like the fullness of it yet. Like this is just, this is an absolute delight. And I am so thankful for you all for helping me do this thing. Cause it is just a joy. It is just a joy.
2: Well, uh, speaking for all of our listeners, Brent, I say <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, we are glad that you're enjoying this. Um, Heck yes. And, and I think you know, for me, this this is this is a great project uh, for many reasons. One of them, and not least of which, is that uh, um, there is a certain amount of being able to watch the series for the first time again mm-hmm. uh, as I listen to you talk about it after the fact. So. Uh, and I suspect that I'm not the only one of the listeners out there who experiences that as well. So thank you very much to you for giving us the opportunity to do this. I'm just being me. Yeah, you're welcome. This is good stuff. This is great fun. All right, so Brent. Yeah. uh, We have just been (laughs) talking about this episode, and here at the end you have given your revelation on what this means for you and all of this stuff, and I've given my revelation. Well, that's the name of this next episode, Revelations. Plural yes. Plural. That's that's Unla- unlike such the Bible church nerd joke. The Bible yes, yes! is a revelation singular. It singular. is singular. It's just one. John has just, just one, revelation. one revelation. Julie is like hush up. <laughs> Move on. Oh <That'll> come <laughs> in any case. <laughs> in any case. This episode I- I is wonder, revelations. Plural. Okay. Plural. So I ask you, dear friend Brent. Yes. What kind of revelations we, can we experience oh. in this episode? The finale of season five. Oh, this is a series finale. Of it course, is. obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay.
3: <clears throat> Next time on the series
1: finale of Stargate SG-1.
2: No, season, season, not series. Season. Thank
1: you. Let me start that whole thing over again. I totally didn't mean series, obviously. <clears throat> Next time on the season finale of Stargate SG-1. The SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. And without their chief archaeologist, they're kind of screwed because they have absolutely no idea what they're looking at at all. And somebody says, I don't know, what do these symbols mean? And they said, if only we had Daniel around. And we're like, yeah, right? But they... See, I gotta tell you. Okay, I'm bailing out. I gotta tell you, um, this is where I am emotionally right now. I can't even make a joke about. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I can't even make a joke about it. I'm just like, man, Daniel, <laughs>
2: on. Okay. All right.
1: So, um. I'll 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 do my best. So, okay, since I can't make a joke, I'll try to make uh, a little bit of a straight line guess. Okay, so series finale Daniel has just died, Revelations. Um we are going to have an episode where Oh, okay, okay. Also, we're going into season 6. Gotcha. I think this is going to be I think this is going to be an episode where we shift the tone where where indeed we are still dealing with the sadness of losing a a core member, but we're going to fall. We're going to find ourselves getting hurtled into um, a bit of a power shift, maybe to our favor. This last episode was one of extreme loss. So I doubt we're going to have an episode of extreme loss again. Um, hopefully we're going to have one where, where we're feeling resolved and we're able to kind of look, 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 look the future in the face and, and then move forward with power but maybe not maybe we're just totally gonna be like punch me in the gut one more time um yeah so i'm gonna predict that this is one where it's gonna get set up where i'm gonna be like charged up and ready to go and we're gonna launch into season six with 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 power
2: okay all right yeah so why don't we watch david's promo and then we can talk about that
1: uh wait a minute. <laughs> I was about to watch the promo for Meridian again. That's not the one I
2: want. No, nope, that's not the right one.
1: <laughs> okay, I am ready to go.
2: All right, here we go. Hitting play now. Prayer. Major Carter. Next okay. time
1: on the season finale of Stargate SG-1. There has been an incident with the Goa'u. An incident? I am Thor, Supreme Commander of the Asgard Fleet. Your presence here is a violation of the Protected Planets Treaty. The oh, conflict between the Gold and the Asgard escalates. An Asgard scientist has been left stranded in the research facility
0: beneath the surface of the planet in question. We would like you to mount a rescue mission.
1: I'm Heimdall! I assume you were sent by the Asgard High Council! Our days of bowing to the Asgard are finally over. Oh no. And when Anubis reveals himself, the fate of the galaxy hangs in the balance. Oh, wait a minute. Did I just hear Anubis revealing himself? Oh, David, you snuck! I think you will find many things
0: have changed since my return. It's all
1: next time on Stargate SG-1. This is a downer. I want an upper. Okay, alright, fine.
2: <sighs> well, you know, it's going to be a pretty solid season finale.
1: Oh uh, well, that certainly does look like it's mounting the tensions up quite a lot, that's for sure.
2: Well, I mean, you know, we've been talking about that all season, that this has been the season of of uh isolating the our heroes and setting them up for uh significant dangers to come, so I know. I'm just saying. Just saying it is all okay. All right, all right. So, season. Finale, thank you very okay. much, David, for putting that together. Yes. We appreciate thank it you, every David. time. Um, tell us what you think about this episode. We've already heard a lot of opinions. There's a lot more we could have talked about. Uh, you know, some folks uh, are are thinking this is an all about the feels episode, and we give it an eight mm-hmm. chevrons. Others are mm-hmm. like, this is a good episode, but not a great episode, and shouldn't mm-hmm. get the uh, the elusive eight chevron uh so we've got lots of options tell us what you think share your thoughts yes. email us twitter uh facebook all of those things uh and if you want to support this fun little project we're doing uh go ahead and head over to patreon.com and uh support us there
3: yes so,
2: uh with Super all great that, stuff yeah and uh at now almost two hours and 15 minutes i say I'm Zach. (laughs) I'm Brent. (laughs) And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.